First Kings is where I'd like to direct your attention. First Kings. There's a Second Kings, and I want to go to First Kings. And we're going to go to chapter number four of First Kings. It's in the Old Testament. It's on page 247. In case you're wondering out there where it's at. Let me, let me urge all of you, I don't care how long you've been in the church, have the Holy Ghost, been angelic, seraphimic, teraphimic, cherubimic, you need to bring your Bible to church. It's a great example to following generations. And there's just some traditions we're just going to do till Jesus comes. And everybody said amen. All right, we're going to read a few scriptures here. We're going to start in verse number 29. The Bible said, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much. How much? And largeness of heart. How large? Even as the sand that is on the seashore. Now, that's an unusual correlation to correlate wisdom and understanding with the sand of the seashore. But if you're looking at individual bites, B-Y-T-E-S, of wisdomic knowledge, it would be as the sand of the seashore. Okay? And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite and Heman Chalcol and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all nations round about. Okay? And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon even under the hyssop that springeth out of the wall, he spaketh also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. Everybody said nature. There came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. Verse number 33 and he spake of trees. That just jumps out at me. And he spake of trees. And so I want to talk to us for a few moments this afternoon about the wisdom of the trees. The wisdom of the trees. If you put your Bibles down, we're going to pray one more time. I know we praise the Lord a bunch today. And we prayed a bunch today. But we're going to lift our voices and pray together. That something in our short time together would, would resonate, would germinate, and would be a blessing to us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Praise you. Thank you for all of these that are here today. God, I pray for your spirit and your word to allow something to go beyond the loud jangle of this world and the distractions of everyday life, something eternal, 
something from another world, another kingdom, lodge in the branches of our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. And God bless you. You may be seated. Solomon here is being described with a supernatural level of wisdom. This wisdom, he was not born with this wisdom. He, he asked for it. Uh, those of you that are Bible students, under the sound of my voice, you may recall when Solomon became king that he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed by the vastness and the regal glory of God's people. And he prayed, he said, God, I just, and I'm paraphrasing this, but he said, I'm just overwhelmed with the greatness of your people and the greatness of my responsibility. And I need you to help me how to come in and how to go out before your people. God communicated with him after that prayer and said, because you did not pray for riches and you did not pray for possessions and you didn't pray for longevity of life, I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to add all those other things to it because you asked right. Asking God is a big deal. You know, James said you have not because you ask not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own desires. But because Solomon asked right, he got it. And this is why... This is why James says what he says. In James chapter 1, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally. That's the only liberalism that we honor in this church. And you responded correctly to that. And I believe that that is a, a New Testament takeoff from the fact that Solomon asked for wisdom and got it. God wants us to have wisdom so bad that all you have to do is ask it and he'll give it to you. But you have to be fully persuaded that he will deliver because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So Solomon is 40 years of age and he reigns for 40 years and um, he writes three incredible books, the book of Proverbs, that is a book of wisdom. He writes the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book of self-reflection and personal philosophy, spiritual philosophy. And he writes the book of Song of Solomon, which is a poetic love story that is a story of uh, a young man and a young lady. But really, that is, a, that is an allegory of the nation of Israel and God. When you get into the Proverbs, which all of us enjoy Proverbs, okay? He, uh, he takes a very supernaturally organic approach 
to the book of Proverbs. He talks about nature. He talks about relationships. He talks about human behaviors and conditions. He talks about the outcome of our choices. He talks about animals, plants, trees, birds, insects, including spiders and ants. And you're probably thinking what I thought before I had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How can that be anything spiritual? But you have to understand that when you're given supernatural wisdom, you can look at things that are natural and you look, you look beyond them. You can look through them. It's almost, it's almost a form of spiritual 3D, virtual reality. You look, you look through something. Man, that's just a spider. In fact, one of my favorite Proverbs is talking about the, pro, the spider that's in a king's palace. And saying that the spider in the king's palace is going to be back here next year. Okay, what's the wisdom in that? This is the king's palace. And devil, you may try to remove my cobweb, but I will be coming back. Go ahead and clap your hands. You got to see... You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You, you, have to have, you have to have a supernatural endowment to see just natural things like bugs and ants and, you know, consider the ant. and talks about animals, the coney and birds, and he talks about fish. And he, he doesn't talk about the universe. And he doesn't talk about the sky. And he doesn't talk about mountains. He talks about living things. And he talks about them in a, in a way that it is a, it's, it's a living principle. It's wisdomic. It is alive. And so that brings us to our text where he is, the Bible is describing his endowment. And he said... Uh, in verse number 32, and he spake of trees. Verse 33, he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. Well, both of those represent flora, the, the cedar tree in the, in the minds of people that were that understood such things in, in archaic times, understood that that was a symbol of greatness and strength that we will talk about here in a little bit. But the thing hyssop that is growing on the wall, a better rendering would be is it's moss. And we're going to see that God has a purpose for moss. And so everything in, in the world that is vegetation and somebody with a pointed head in a small room somewhere that's filled with books, said that there are three trillion trees in the world. Somebody has too much time on their hands, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to tell you. Three trillion trees. He spake of trees. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In our scripture finding here in Leviticus chapter number 14, we talked about this hyssop, which is very important. Leviticus chapter 14 and verse number 51 says this, and he shall take the cedar wood, everybody said cedar, that's the tree that he mentioned, cedar wood, 
and the hyssop, okay? Um, that is the moss and the scarlet and the living bird and dip them into the blood of the slain bird and in the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. You're probably wondering what in the world is this talking about? This is talking about a home that has leprosy in the walls. Um, leprosy is a Old Testament typology of sin. And leprosy could actually grow inside plaster or stone or mud. And every once in a while, somebody would see a growth, some discoloration on a wall, and they were required, according to the word of God, to go get the priest. The priest would come into the home and he would look at it. He would give it a, they would give it a small amount of time to see if it changed colors. If it changed colors, he said, especially white, he said, that's leprosy. And this is what you do. And that's why they talk about getting a bird and getting scarlet. God had a prescription. You're saying, well, I don't understand why God do that. It doesn't matter. You don't have to understand everything in the Bible. Obedience is better than understanding. Somebody said, man, I don't know why that church is doing all that stuff and why I got to do all that. You don't have to understand that. But if you obey it, you get the blessing that God attaches to your obedience. And that's more, that's more important than you understanding it. In fact, if you go ahead and obey, because it's in the word of God, understanding will come after you've received the blessing. Clap your hands and give him praise. God just wants to see if you're going to obey. If you're, one of these, if you're one of these really smart people that think, I've got to understand every little moving part of this, before I'm going to do it, you're probably going to have a lot of issues because there's some things that you just got to say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. This is a perfect time to just give him a little praise right now. God said it, I believe it. In fact, let's, just to make sure you're still awake, God said it, okay, everybody do this. Please, just for me. God said it. I believe it. Thank you. There's a lot of people that are too smart. They, they think in the 21st century that they, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's why, you know, we don't, we don't live in the Old Testament anymore, so we don't have to do this, we don't have to do that. You don't even understand why it was put in the Old Testament. It was put in the Old Testament so we have a foundation so that when we do it in the New Testament, we have a reference point because they did it in the flesh. We're receiving the blessings of that in the spirit. So, moving a little deeper into this, this moss that is, that is called hyssop, it's, it's moss, was used to get rid of leprosy. That is one of the two vegetations that is mentioned in verse number 33 of our text. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the moss that springeth out of the wall. Let's talk about this cedar tree very famous i didn't understand this really till i started digging into this a little deeper evidently it is actually called the cedar of the lord 
There's something about this tree that we are going to describe this afternoon that God said, there's something about that that I can so identify with that it's going to be called the cedar of the Lord. Hallelujah. Psalm 104 and verse number 16. It represents the medicinal purposes. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he hath planted. Amen. They were prized trees, and they were known far and wide throughout, um, throughout the land, just beyond the Holy Land, beyond the nation of Israel. The cedars of Lebanon were highly prized and sought out. They were wanted and desired for construction purposes. They um, were used, as I've already mentioned, uh, because of the medicinal properties, including even the bark. What we read there about ridding your house of, of, cedar, of uh, leprosy is just the bark of this tree was used. The boat, you might remember the boat that Jesus implored that all of the disciples got in as he navigated across the Sea of Galilee. That was made of cedar. It is incredibly durable in water. It is, it is resistant against infestation and uh, in insects attacking it and trying to destroy the wood. It is, it is highly valued because of its odor. I remember just a few years ago, I was um, working in Sacramento. And even before I was in uh, the ministry, and I remember that one of the houses I was working in as a professional painter, uh, one of the floors was all cedar in, in the walk-in closet. And I, when nobody's looking, I just go in there and stand. And I take a deep breath with my nose. Because that cedar, it smelled so good. Now, in, in, in generations gone past, like your grandma and your great-grandma and way, way back, they used mothballs, okay? Um, we, don't, we didn't use mothballs because our kids would eat them. And then they'd start glowing. And, uh, and it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. So you use cedar, and they would, line, they would line drawers with cedar. And it would keep your socks smelling nice and fresh. And everybody appreciates a nice, fresh-smelling sock. And everybody that's with me say amen. And, and so cedar was, it was valued for all of these qualities. I actually, when I was in the Holy Land here several years ago, uh, we went into a museum at, I believe it was at Capernaum, and when we went into this uh, museum, there was a boat that was there. It looked very, it was it, not much of a boat left, but there was an inscription that said, this was the boat that Jesus used to go across Galilee, and I thought, my goodness, this, this is wood that, that hasn't really fossilized. It still, it still had some properties left to it that kept it uh, enduring uh, year after year and century after century. And the boat is still there and it was made out of cedar. I do not believe that any of these qualities that I've mentioned to you is really what Solomon had in mind when he talked about the wisdom of the trees. And so I want to talk about several observations that you have to put your wisdomic x-ray glasses on to understand. Number one, 
These cedar trees are not found everywhere. They are not ubiquitous. They are not omnipresent. They are only found in one certain place in Lebanon. They are not found just, just on the side of the street or on the side of the road. They are found on a mountain. And they are found at a specific elevation on a mountain. And the elevation that in which these trees are found is 3,300 feet all the way to 10,000 feet. On a mountain. And the wisdom behind that is, is that mountains in the Word of God were because of their, their magnificence, and because they 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 were above the uh, they were above anything that you can see. It was taller than trees, it was taller than this, it was taller than this. It was a version of getting closer to God. The wisdom of the trees is, is that if you had an opportunity to be planted anywhere, you don't want to be planted on the valley floor. You don't want to be planted in the valley of the shadow of death. You don't want to be, you don't want to be in some chert, chalky, lifeless, waterless dirt that cannot produce life. You want to be on the mountaintop because that's closer to God. It's closer to heaven. We ought to live our lives in such a way that we get away from the carnality, that which is in the flesh, that which represents the ground, that which represents dirt, and plant your tree on a mountain. Clap your hands and give God the praise. That is the wisdom of the cedar trees. And because they are grown on a mountain, they do not have, they only have seasons of water that come to them. And you have to get the water when it's coming. You cannot just any old time you want say, well, I'm just going to be what God wants me to be now. No, when your time comes and God wants to plant you, now they're, they're found between 3,300 feet above sea level all the way to 10,000 feet above sea level. I know everybody in this church is not on the same level. And I know everybody on this church is not a pastor. And I know everybody in this church doesn't have a prayer life where you're praying an hour a day. But just make it up in your mind. You are not going to plant me down on the bottom with everybody else. I want to be up with God's people. I want to be up there with the church. For you have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched. But you have come. Come on, somebody, clap your hands and give God the praise. The wisdom of the trees. This is why many flightless birds throughout the last several thousand years are now extinct. And I'm fascinated with flightless birds because they are one of the only, and I'm not talking about uh, freaks of nature that are, that are interspecial, like an amphibian or something of that nature which has... Uh, characteristics of both water and land. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an animal that was created. It was created to be this way. It is not experiencing evolution. It was created to be this way. And flightless birds have wings, but they cannot fly. And so consequently, they build their nests on the ground. They are subjected to predators. They are subjected to coyotes. They are subjected to possum. They are subjected to foxes. They are subjected to losing all of their eggs, all of their young ones, predators coming through. This is why you do not build your home on the ground, on carnality, on the dirt. You get it up in the branches. Get it up higher. Get it up where the animals can't get it. Get it. Get away from Hollywood. Get away from the things of this world. Get it out of your home so your 
Somebody clap your hands. We're talking about the wisdom of the trees. Hallelujah. Talking about wisdom that is not, it's not, you don't just pick it off the ground and you just don't take it out of your pocket. It's wisdom. Gems of understanding. Hallelujah. Number two, cedars are known to have a vast root system. The root systems are known to go 100 feet out from the base of that trunk. Hallelujah. They understand that if you're going to survive, you're going to have to get away. You're going to have to seek out water. Pastor, I don't really want to go through this trial. Hang on. There might be nutrition in the ground. When you get done with that trial. See, we're thinking, I don't like where I'm at right now, but God's up here saying, you don't even know what you need. I'm doing this for your benefit. All things work together for. This is wisdom. Clap your hands. Give God the praise. I'm going to go through that trial. I'm going to go through. I'm going to keep reaching. I'm going to get my root out there. I'm looking for water. I'm looking for nutrition. I'm looking for something. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The wisdom of the trees. Only a fool would try to live for God in the flesh when God has already given us the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is to walk in something that has no bottom, no ceiling, no sides, and no depth. Hallelujah. The root systems, and I've seen, I've, I spent a little bit of time in the woods when I can, and I've seen... These trees are massive. If you're going to plan on building a life, even the Bible says that a man should sit down and count the cost before he builds a tower. Why did Jesus use a tower there? Because it's going to be so tall, everybody's going to see it. And you want to make sure that before everybody else can see what you're doing, that you have the ability to finish what you started. And the reason why this root system has got to be what it's got to be is because your root system is going to determine how high you go. You see, every human being has got an invisible component. I can look at you, you look good, you got a shirt on, you got a tie, everything looks good, you got shoes on your feet, you know, you don't have a swastika on your head, you look good today. Everything's great. But you got to understand there's an invisible side to you. And the invisible component of your life is what determines the quality of the physical aspect of your life. you got to have a root system that nobody ever sees. But you've fought demons in your closet. You have fought principalities in the, in the secret places. You've already pulled down. Oh, my God, I'm in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to hear me today. Somebody needs to fight when nobody's looking. Somebody needs to battle when nobody's watching. That determines your height and your girth and your strength, the wisdom of the trees. Clap your hands and give me praise. Hallelujah. I need a drink. Jesus talked about people's preference about where their foundation is. And Jesus 
you know, I love the parables. When Jesus teach, taught through parables, he always started with the positive before giving you an alternate view, which would be negative. That was just his methodology. He always started with positive. That's why somebody says, man, I don't want to go to that church. I got to quit this, that, this, that. You're starting with a negative. Why don't you get the Holy Ghost first? Why don't you get delivered first? You don't need a therapist. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You don't need to spend thousands of dollars listening to a shrink. You need to get in this altar and let God wash out. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. If you've been delivered, praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus said, I'm going to show you what a man's like that believes what's in this book. He digs deep. He digs deep to the degree that a person gets the Holy Ghost and follows the Holy Ghost. Tells me everything about their ability to endure until Jesus' return. If you get it shallow, it probably ain't going to get much to just all it takes is a trial. I don't like that. I don't, li- I don't like how I'm feeling right now. I don't, I, 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 you know. Jesus said the man digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Not the economy. I think God's trying to teach us something through the pandemic. That that economy, as much stock as we put in it, God is in control of the economy. God's in control of this virus. God's in control of the guys over in Seattle that think they took the city over. God's trying to get us back to understand that I ain't building this thing on the sand. I'm building it on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. When I come to church, I don't want a bunch of carnality. I want to be deep. I don't want a bunch of flesh. I want to get deep. I don't want a shallow. I want somebody help me out. I want to get deep. I want a deep move. I want a deep touch. I want a deep glory. Somebody shout. The wisdom of the trees. Dude, you don't need an angel to show up at your bedside. Well, I guess. I guess we're going to go ahead and do it, Pastor. I had an angel show up last night. Now, Jesus already got your number. The one rose from the dead and went and said, you shouldn't go here. You still won't believe him. The one rose from the dead. Dig deep. I've seen the root balls of these, these cedar trees. They're massive. And they're not just these tap roots. And the tap root, when you look at the root system of a cedar, these big, huge, giant, gnarly, burly arms, branches of these trees in the earth, and they're just networked out there. And you're looking at this thing. But there's a secondary level of roots. That's not just the taproot. It's like webbing. It's real thin. The radius of these is very, very thin. No matter how deep your roots go, 
you still got to be able to feel and sense the wisdom of the trees. You don't need no supernatural deal. Just get in the Holy Ghost and look at a tree. There's three trillion of them. Don't hug one because we'll have to do something to you. Like, I'm fuming. I, I, I don't know. Go out and hug one. Hug a tree. Abort a baby, but hug a tree. I don't get it. Save a whale and kill a child. You know what? Let's just lift our hands and talk to Jesus for a minute. I'm almost done. But let's just love God. Let's love God. I want you to get this. It's, this, is not, this is not rocket science, but you have to want it. You know, I've, I've pastored long enough that I've, I put people in classifications. And patterns is how you learn. If you didn't have patterns, if everything ran its own linear line down a continuum and didn't interact with anything else, you couldn't learn from it. You have to have patterns to be able to learn. I've met that there's some people that don't want this and don't get it. There's some people that get it and don't want it. And there's some people that don't get it but want it. And then there's people that get it and want it. I want that to be me. I want that to be you. It's not, this isn't a NASA approved message today. Or did not, wasn't approved by the professor at the Natural Museum of History. But it did come from our prophet, Solomon. The other point that I'd like to make in the wisdom of the trees is that the branches extend far from the trunk. If you, look, if you see a picture of these, and I recommend that you go home and you know, type it in or smartphone it, you'll see a picture. These are magnificent-looking trees. They're just... They just, they just look noble. They're regal. They're only found in one elevation. They're, they have a huge root system. They're magnificent. They're, 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 and, and trees are the largest living things known to man. But if you look at these, these trees, they have, they have branches that go way out. In fact, the Word of God talks about these branches because they are so incredible. In fact, right now, Brother Clark, you can go to my scripture um, that's found in Psalm 80, verse number 10 says, The hills were covered with the shadow of it, and the boughs thereof were like the godly cedars, or the goodly cedars. Next verse. She sent out her boughs unto the sea. Look at this. The boughs is nothing more than the end of a branch. Let's see that again, please. The boughs are nothing more than the end of a branch. And the branch is to reach unto the river. And whenever you see water in eschatological 
verbiage, it's talking about a representation of humanity. You may remember the creatures that come out of the sea. In the book of Daniel, it's also found in Revelations uh, where, where things are coming out of the sea. And there's a, there's a river of water. It's talking about people, people flowing together, people moving together. And these branches that are likened under this great godly cedar are like the boughs, the end that go way out, and the end of that branch goes all the way to the river. Could you put that back up there, Brother Clark, please? This is talking about influence in a person's life. That we should be reaching people beyond ourselves. We should be, we should be reaching our family. We should be reaching our coworkers. We should be reaching fellow students. We should be reaching our neighbors. You don't have to have all the answers. Get under the shade of my brand. I'll cover you, but I'm reaching for you. I'm reaching for somebody. Cornerstone's reaching for somebody. If you're going to be healthy, if you're going to be full of wisdom, it can't be all about you. you got to be reaching. you got to be, come on, somebody. The branches, these things are huge. They reach out. There's people, we have this little deal going, we have our own YouTube channel. Whoopie-doo. And on our YouTube channel, there are people that are, that are subscribing to our channel that you and I have not even met. They're not even in Spokane. They're all over the place. People are just picking up on this. What is that? That's your branch going out. When they hear a message, whether it's our devotion or something else on SoundCloud, that's your, that's your branch going out. I'm telling you, it's important that everybody have a branch. It's got to go beyond us four and no more. It's got to go beyond my little what's going on in my life. If it's all about you, it's going to be a small world. If it's all about everybody else, that's where the expansion is. That's where the growth is. That, come on, somebody. That's where the growth is. It's in the reach. It's in the reach. It's in the reach. Clap your hands and give God the praise. We're talking about the wisdom of the trees. The last point that I want to talk about. Is that these trees grow together. And this is what is really incredible to me. When you see these, these cedars of Lebanon, what they call a forest is different from what you and I see in Washington or Idaho or Montana or anywhere else in the Northwest for that matter. You will see, when you, when you see these pictures, you will see a cedar and right outside the perimeter of its reach. I'm not going to try to approximate exactly how much space, but there's another tree, and beyond its reach, this way, there's another, it's like, it's like all these trees have enough room to grow, I was up in the woods here a while back, and this year, particularly, we were up in the woods, and we noticed a lot of what they call blowdown, now, blowdown happens every year when you go up in the National Forest. This year, we went up there, and we, we noticed that it was particularly bad. And what it really, what it is simply is that windstorms come through, storms come through, 
and it, it knocks trees over, and trees are going every direction. Some are overlapping this way, that way. You can't walk through it unless you got a chainsaw, and they're just everywhere. But see, that's the difference between trees in a national forest and a tree that's going to grow in the spirit. Because when you're going to grow in the spirit, you need to make sure, listen, I know we're family, we're related, I love you, just stay right there. But I got to grow here. Because if you fall over, you ain't taking me out. Oh. I see blowdowns where one tree goes and it takes two or three other trees out. No, when you're in God's forest, you're going to be able to grow. And if somebody decides to backslide, they're not going to take out a young person. They're not going to take out a marriage. They're not going to take out an old person. If you backslide, you're going to fall all on your own. But I'm going to grow. I'm going to be blessed. And I'm going to be part of the trees of wisdom. Clap your hands and give God the praise. What's happening is, what happens is, is that, let's say your whole family comes into the church, okay? Ryan, did you leave this organ on? Okay, you are going to be flagellated with a noodle when nobody's looking. And only Ryan understands exactly what that means. Are you going to play it some more? Is that what you're going to do? Pardon me? See, when you come into the church, you're supposed to expand your relationships. It is, in my opinion, it's dangerous to just fellowship with your family and nobody else. Because what happens is, if somebody, de if somebody decides to backslide, then you start thinking, man, I don't like what the pastor did to them. Like, pastor can't discipline them because he's got he's to discipline a whole family now. Bless God, if my kids don't make it, this guy right here is going to make it. I didn't get in this. To worry about everybody else. I got in this to worry about me. If my wife decides to backslide, I am not going to miss heaven. I'm not going to miss Jesus Christ. I am not going to miss eternity. you got to have enough room that if somebody decides to backslide, it don't take your kids out. It don't take your grandkids. Somebody, look at this right here. you got to make sure in your mind, I am in this to grow. I'm in this to expand. I'm in this to be blessed. You can get so tight with that precious little family that nobody can discipline them, nobody can pastor them, because now it's going to take out a whole pew. And you know what that tells me? You were all growing way too tight. Everybody knows everybody's business, and everybody knows what she did. Listen, quit gossiping. It's under the blood. You ought to just be quiet about it and say, thank God for his grace. And I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. You ought not worry about what everybody's doing. You ought to be worried about what you're doing and say, give me some room to grow. I'm not going to live up to your expectations. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Clap your hands. Give him praise. Shout with a voice of triumph. Oh, this is better than good right here because this is like right on the money. I've seen entire pews clear out. Because you had to discipline one person. Yeah, we were up there. We were up there in the woods and saw one tree. One tree was a blowdown, and it took two or three healthy trees out with it. There's three or four trees under that tree that had that would that would still be standing today. 
I'm going to tell you something else I see. I've seen trees break off at the 20-foot mark, the 30-foot mark, the 50-foot mark, the 70-foot mark. And last week, I saw a tree that must have been, the break-off point was 80 feet above the ground. And it snapped off. And I looked at the huge part that was snapped off, and I looked inside it, and there was right in the nucleus of that tree where there were supposed to be rings, and there's supposed to be what they call a heart. The horticulture calls it the heart. There was a hole. It had eaten out either some bug or some bitterness or some attitude. It had eaten out and hollowed out the very core of that tree. I don't care if you've been here 10 years. I don't care if you've been in this church 20 years. I don't care if you've had the Holy Ghost for 50 years. It could be some trial, some offense, somebody make you bitter, somebody tell a lie about you, some trial, and your branch snaps off and you don't make it. I'm going to tell you what, nobody is going to take me out of this. Nobody is going to keep me out of heaven. Nobody is going to cut me off. Nobody is going to take my salvation. It's the way wisdom of the trees stand to your feet and clap your hands and give him praise come on let's praise him let's just have a little moment here where we give God the glory well pastor if I don't get my way I'm out of here I'm going to snap a branch. I'm going to snap the trunk. I'm going to get my, I'm going to tell you what. You need to have your mind made up. Thank God I'm in the grove of trees. I'm in the trees that the Lord planted. Nobody's going to take me out of this. It is the planting of the Lord. I've seen marriages. Married 20, 30, 40 years. And they say, Pastor, we're thinking about divorce. Divorce? You guys, have been, you guys have been married 40 years? But see, I couldn't tell what was going on in the core of that tree. Somebody been in the church, maybe an ex-Sunday school teacher, maybe raised in the church, felt the glory, felt the grace, felt the promises of God. And then some little deal just come along and just snap off. Some wind come through. Some storm come through. That you weren't, I am preaching it, Brother Leon. I appreciate you egging me on because I want to tell you something. There are some people in three and a half months, there are some people I've not even seen. And all it took was a pandemic. And all it took was a shutdown. People say, I'm quitting church. I'm not going to quit God. Too much stress. Too much pressure. The winds are blowing too hard. Well, if the pastor cared about me, he'd call me. Dude, do you know how tough it is to track down 400 people? Why don't you just understand that your pastor is a little bit like Elijah? I'm in a cave. I've just, been, I've just called down fire. I just destroyed 450 prophets of Baal. You ought to call me up and say, Pastor, you don't have to worry about us. We're here. You don't have to worry about me, Pastor. I'm in the church. You ain't got to worry about us. We're here for the duration. There's 7,000 that haven't bent their knee to Baal. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The wisdom of the trees. The wisdom of the trees. 
The word together is used 769 times throughout the word of God. I'm going to tell you what this pandemic has done. It isolated people. But when you're feeling yourself getting isolation, the first thing that's going to happen is your spirit is going to start saying, hey, something ain't right. I got to connect. You know why we had church? Do you know why we started having church a month ago today or, yeah, a month ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, is I realized, Brother Sessions, that us sitting at home twiddling our thumbs waiting on the government, there are people that have got to come back together and get that strength. They have got to have that encouragement. They've got to feel the Holy Ghost. They've got to feel that power. We are here because we're planted. You've got to make it. You've got to make it. You've got to go. You've got to be ready. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. It is the wisdom of the trees. The Bible uses that word together 769 times. And it covers a wide range of activities. We are planted together, grow together, frame together, build it together, sitting, having places together, gather together, coming together, assembled ourselves together, helping together, praying together, quicken together, knit together, elect together. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Lift your hands and give God the praise. Pastor, I might be missing a couple branches, but I'm still standing. There might have been a store come through that knocked off a branch, but I am not giving up. I am not giving up this race. I am not giving up this journey. I am not giving up my God. I am not giving up my place on this mountain. I am not giving up my place. I'm going to draw water. I'm going to draw strength. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be a blessing to others. I'm going to be on this mountain, and I'm ready to leave when you return. The wisdom of the trees. It's real basic. The wisdom of the trees. You know, this crowd today, I thank God for it. It genuinely is great to see everybody. But see, what Satan wants to do is isolate you. And start working on you. The devil can isolate you, get you feeling a certain way, like everybody's against me. Pastor's against me. Church is against me. This person's against me. That person's against me. And get you up against the ropes. He can pluck us up from the place that we were planted. And if we don't quickly get back together, we can become twice dead. Plucked up by the roots. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And if all hell comes against me, there are just some things they're not for sale. Let's lift our hands. Let's talk to Jesus right now. I'm reaching for somebody today. You've allowed yourself to listen to voices, thoughts, feelings. You've reinterpreted reality according to your situation instead of the bigger picture. Come on, let's pray.
You know what? Let's do this. This, this. this audience today is not so big that we cannot come to the altar. So I'm inviting everybody. We're not going to make you do anything. We just want you to come. We're going to pray. God's going to move. God will bless you. Let's wait a few minutes because we want it. We want everybody to come. The wisdom of the tree. Sh- Shannon, is that you? I can't. No. Nice to see you. Is that your friend with you? Good, good. It's good to have you, sir. Glad you're here. Everybody can come. Come on. Come on. Once we come down to the front, let's just lift our hands together and let's pray. Let's pray. I need my roots strengthened. I need my branches lengthened. I need to find fresh water. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. No falling tree is going to take me out. I don't care how close we were. Nothing trumps my relationship with God. Nothing's going to come between me and Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to come between me. Need on this mountaintop, ready for his return. For you have not come to a mountain which cannot be touched, but you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, the mother of us all. The devil almost had me, but I made it to the house. I made it to the house of God. I heard truth. I heard encouragement. Yes! Come on, pray for somebody. God infuse this audience with strength and a determination of understanding the hour that we're living in. It's unlike any hour that's ever existed in this earth. Here I am. 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 Here I am.